Welcome to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. Today, we're going to generally talk about branding. I think we've all heard the phrase, you are your own brand or some kind of iteration on that. My guest today, Kim Russo, is the founder of On Brand Designs and also an expert in transitioning people from one level to another in general. Kim, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. (laughs) Thank you for taking time out. So what is that phrase? I know I didn't probably say it right. The idea that each one of us is a brand of some capacity. Basically, what you're saying is we're all a personal brand. So when you're talking about small business, especially when you're growing a business, building a business, and being the face of your business, your brand is your personal brand as well. And that's something that I do strive to bring into account with my clients. So I do a whole strategy process. And in that, I'm looking at target audience, I'm looking at competitors, but I'm also looking at you. What are your likes? What do you love? Who is you as a persona that shows up in your brand? So does it ever work out that someone is trying to be a brand that just isn't them? So for example, someone might say, I want to do this, but if it's too much in conflict with their natural personality, you kind of have to tell them, hey, wait a second, I know this is the brand that's going to sell this product, but sorry, that ain't you. That's not who you are. You might want to go back to the drawing board and think this through again. Yeah. And I think it goes both ways. There's that. And there's also pushing too hard to be like somebody else. Yeah. So it's maybe not following your own brand, but it's also trying to mimic somebody else without pulling in your own self to it is sometimes something I come across because at the end of the day, you have to love it and you have to feel it and you have to live it. It definitely helps with the cliche, like, know and trust. Um, They're going to get to know you and like, know and trust you with how you're showing up in your brand. I do often work with a lot of up levels. So when people are kind of stagnant in where they are with their brand and need kind of a refresh, or there's too many things going on with it, that's confusing, too many fonts, too many colors, and you're just confusing who you're trying to attract and who you are is... A lot of times don't have to come and kind of simplify and really hone in on who they are. But also I like to keep an essence of their original brand. So I always say people when you're starting out, like there's going to be something in your brand that is going to hold true to you to be cohesive and give you longevity, but you can always up-level it. You can always change it. So if I'm redesigning something that is just not working for somebody, it's not who they are. It's not even attracting who they want. I always find some sort of, maybe it's the way that their logo was originally like stacked, for example. I try to have it look like it's it's just an evolution. It still looks like it could be part of the same brand, but it's an evolution of it. Or although I do like to do many different variations of a logo so that you have it for different uses and elements, but holding on to some sort of essence, whether it's like a color that now is just like a tiny accent color. Yeah. Still keeping something to carry through for your brand to keep with that cohesive and longevity while still refreshing it, keeping it new. And also people change. Even myself, I've kept my logo since I've started because I'm still in love with it. And that's one of the perks of being a brand designer. Although sometimes it can be hard to design for yourself. I really understood me more than anybody else could and still love it. But my brand has evolved immensely since I started five years ago. And so I've added things to my brand, but still keeping it on brand. (laughs) 
<laughs> and when you say keeping on brand, does that also include some of your, say, outside of business personal behavior? Like, is it possible to ruin your brand if, say, you have a bunch of social media posts or even have interactions with people within your community that are extremely inconsistent with the brand that you've built? I don't think I've come across anybody as extreme as ruining your brand as far as maybe getting involved into politics or social issues. That would be something that could, as long as you're consistent. And I'm always a pro for neutral, appease to everybody. So you won't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I definitely, I mean, even me, I have a separate, not that I post much, but I have a separate personal account than I do my business persona. And so, I do keep some things separate, but at the end of the day, I'm pushing my brand. And so I do crossover a lot, but I do tell people like keep personal issues, keep political and social issues out, but also be authentic. This whole year too, we're coming into it where people want the cookie cutter. They don't want the fake. They want the real. They want the stumble your words. You're not perfect, but you're doing better than I am. So how can I work with you? How can I be in your space and your sphere? But people want to see like, what are you doing on the weekends? They're intrigued by all the things that you do. So as long as you're keeping it on brand. So for example, I have a client who has a great social media. She is a female contractor, construction, interior designer. She does all of that above and beyond just interior design. She's doing the actual renovations. And so typically that's a male dominated industry, but she's also taking her social media and she is sharing like baking cookies at home. And because it's this whole holistic way that you show up where it's the caretaker of the home, it's the aesthetics of baking in a beautiful kitchen. <laughs> um, yeah. It's also showing that you do more things in life than just work. <laughs> Yeah, because I know for a while, it seemed like there was this temptation to be about one thing and only about one thing and to have everything you ever post, everything you ever do, everything you ever present to anyone all be about the same exact thing. And what you're saying is now people want to see your whole self, even if your whole self has a completely different you know, aspect. Maybe you have your job and you're doing you know, something similar, graphic design, something creative, but you know, maybe you also just... I don't know, going on bike rides or doing certain activities with your friends that are like so different, but it, it shows like a whole person. Yeah. And you want to be relatable. People want to have things in common with you too and be able to relate. You know, I say, so every day I have to sell because I'm working with yeah. clients, but I don't consider myself a salesperson at all. I consider myself a relationship builder. So if I'm going to get on a call with you, I'm going to research a little about you on your social media, on your website. I want to know about you. So when I'm getting on the call, I'm communicating something that we have in common. And that's kind of like that icebreaker to make somebody feel comfortable with you. And the same vice versa, they'll come on to me and be like, oh, I just saw like, you know, you posted for this live webinar that you have going on. Like, you know, I saw this about you, like what's going on? Tell me about it. And it just opens up conversation to feel more comfortable with somebody. and. A lot of times, you know, I don't even have to show my work. It's just showing up with personality and that's all it is. Another thing that I do, I'm a big proponent of is like having good photos. So having a really good brand shoot to show you in that side too. So your professional side. So it's having like a mix. You don't want to just be all no style, no knowing what you actually do. 
you want to have a mix of it too. So setting up a brand shoot of the person that you're trying to attract, the person that you are. So for example, I just did a brand shoot. I went to places that I love. I wore my favorite outfit. I kind of exhibited this lifestyle that I want my audience to also live. And that's how we'll connect and relate. And side note, as a web designer, having great photos makes my job a little easier. (laughs) (laughs) And so on your website or on anyone's website, do you recommend having photos of yourself, someone having photos of themselves? Because I see a lot of websites that you don't, or you see one photo when you click the about section or something, but I even see some that have no photos with specific people behind the website. It's just information about what the service is. Yeah. Well, it also depends on what you're offering and what your service is. So I like to do a mix of showing up your face in different settings. I don't really love to use stock photos. So something that I always recommend too, if I have a client that's going on a brand shoot is to have the photographer take photos of the scene around you, or even just your hands working or doing whatever profession you have, even if it's the back of you. So it's not your front face everywhere but that there is a consistency in how the images are showing up. So for example, I have pictures on my website of my computer and it's the same style of photography. It's the same photo finishing and edit as all of my other brand photos so that it all aligns. Now I have two different brand shoots that I use within other, but there's accessories that match the rest of the images to help keep everything again cohesive and on brand. And so you don't have to show up with your front face all the time, but having something that represents what you do. So if you're a business coach that, for example, meets with people one-on-one in person, you want to have somebody that's sitting next to you that looks like you're working with them. Oh, yeah. If you're a home care health taker and you give out medicine to somebody every day, like get some close-in shots of you organizing pills. If you're an artist, like paint. If you're a podcaster and that's what you do, get pictures with you with your microphone. Even just get pictures of your microphone without you in it. That's the same, you know, matching the same filters or finishings that your photos have to kind of keep it all looking like it's coming from the same source. (laughs) So people want to see you doing what you do, Mm -hmm. you know, pictures of you and and hopefully they're pictures of you looking happy doing it, right? Because it kind of will defeat the purpose if you're like, okay, this person's doing their job, but they look so miserable or so, you know, whichever. Yeah. And plan ahead for marketing. So I kind of, I have a funny story that I'll share. So last shoot I did, and I recommend other people to do this. I had a blank wall behind me and I knew I was going to be doing some marketing for this course that's launching and needing text above me and pointing things. So I have some photos where I'm pointing up, I'm pointing my finger up right now. And a friend of mine saw the photos as soon as I got them before I did any sort of text or ads with them. And she was like, why do you keep saying you're number one? (laughs) I died laughing. I was like, well, because I am. But no, I'm just setting myself up to use these photos for purposes of marketing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just kind of planning ahead and having all of that and going that route rather than stock photo. But I do use stock photos and always add like a personal touch to them so that it matches within your brand. And so for like a brand photo shoot, how long should someone set aside if they're going to do one of those? Like, is this like a whole day affair? Or is this something someone can knock out in like an hour and 90 minutes? 
So I'd say, again, I, I have photographers to refer to that are better for, for this conversation. But for me, when I've worked with clients, we've done mini shoots, which have been about an hour. Less than that, you're not getting much variation. So I've done shoots for myself that are 30 minutes. and I'm just getting a few headshots. And that's just because I need those for specific marketing materials for promotions. And if you're going to be doing your lifestyle brand shoot, I'd say a couple hours, at least two, because you want to also get a few outfit changes. If you're going to be going through the effort of doing that, you also don't want to be on your website and all in a green shirt on every single page. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Because then um, people ask that question, like, why do you always wear the same shirt everywhere you go? You don't want it to be so repetitive too. Then you've got a bunch of images that look the same. So having a variety is definitely... So I recommend at least three outfits per photo shoot. And then another thing that I strongly suggest, and I have a VIP package too, where I kind of go through the whole branding system with you, is that you don't schedule your, or you don't do your photos until you've established your brand's colors and look and feel. Because I've had some clients that insist on doing it backwards, and then we go to do their branding and it doesn't align with the photos. The colors are just competing and the look too is competing with what they're articulating that they want in their brand. So it's kind of a whole holistic system that you have to look for to do. And you don't want to jump ahead and then have to go back and and adjust based on that. And when you talk about the brand colors, what goes into that decision? Because I've read some materials about the whole idea that certain colors are associated with certain emotions, like red with power and green with being kind of more earthy or something like that. What makes a color a good color for a brand? So there's definitely a whole psychology with it. And there's different charts that each time I'm working on a brand, I'll look up and make sure that we're conveying the right message. But one thing that I do whenever I'm creating brands, I I create a mood board. And within that, we're capturing images from what the client likes, what the persona of the their target audience is. And then I'm also creating a whole page of competitor brand marks. So seeing what other colors are used in that industry a lot. Oh, yeah. Because although you don't want to blend in with everybody, you definitely want to stand out. You also want to make sense for who you are. It can be a little bit more ambiguous for somebody like me as a brand designer or a culture consultant when you're kind of in a a saturated market and it's more of a personal brand, it's a little bit more flexible to create a color palette. But if you are a more of a commercial based industry, so if you're a restaurant, if you are a air conditioning company, if you're a tech company, like you want to kind of be within, you know, within the family. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Of what makes sense. <laughs> you want it to be out of nowhere. Like I keep thinking about all those energy drinks like monster and how they all kind of have a similar vibe to, yeah. you know, their logos and everything like that. And what it'd be like to all of a sudden have like an energy drink, but have your logo be like something out of a yoga studio or something like that. And it would just yeah. be like, okay, it's different, but it's not in the family. That's actually a good example of like how to show how something can be so different, but the same thing. So it's who you are attracting. So Alani New and Monster, they're both energy drinks. Alani New, I'm more attracted to than say my boyfriend is. He'll go pick up a Monster and I'll go pick up Alani New because it's targeted towards a more feminine look. So 
that's what you definitely consider and who you want your audience to be. But they're also using bright colors to still compete on the shelf against the other bright colors. So it kind of makes some sense to the family, but it also obviously is like appealing to a different audience. And yeah. that actually made me think of one of the recent branding successes that I'd recently seen, which is those liquid death uh, cans of water that you see oh, everywhere. that look like beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like so genius because it's like I see people drinking them most commonly at places where a lot of other people are drinking beer, but they just want to only have water and they have that. And it kind of makes them blend in, even though yeah. everyone knows that it's water at this point. Yeah. It's kind of like a subconscious feel. And I actually was at Red Rocks for a concert two years ago and took one of the buses from downtown Denver. And remember my friend and I, she just missed the window to buy a drink because it was like 9 45 yeah. or something that they stopped it was our first time so we go to get on the bus i'm like oh they've got beer we'll have a beer for the ride home <laughs> we like, oh it's just water <laughs> i mean it's still cool but it was not not what we were expecting <laughs> yeah it's something completely different and when, when you first see it it's befuddling in some ways because on on this logical level where i said like well why would someone pay like four dollars for a can of water when it's free, but I think Andrew, like what you're paying for is like, is like a feeling, right? The same way you're, when you have like a brand or anything, you're, you're really buying the person who creates that, you know, when someone signs up for your course, they're buying you, not the course itself in, in a way. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's the market for everything is so saturated. Now with what I do teaching designers and creatives, how to build a business is a little bit more niche down. There's not a ton of People out there, it's not like this is something new. It's, you know, everybody's out there. So you're really just buying the person and trusting the person. In my market research, everybody too, going back to the original thing that we talked about being authentic, people want to buy with somebody that they can relate to and know and have access to. Yeah. They want to know you're a real person and they can get on a face-to-face with you and know that there's also struggles that you faced and how did you overcome them? So yeah. Definitely kind of pivoted from packaging to, to showing up again. But um, well, that's that's a really good segue. I want to make sure we get a chance to talk a bit about your story about how you got to where you are. What made you decide that you wanted to create on brand designs? What made you decide that you wanted to help people with these branding issues and do it in the structure that you have created? Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to always being creative, but there was always a side of me that wanted more and had this little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think it's from seeing my father work in different industries and have his own business. But I, I knew I was creative and that was just like a divine talent that I was given to be able to create. And I have this visual capability to see something in my brain and my head before I even produce it. And which has developed over years and years, um, you know, 41 now I, been designing and working in the industry since college. So over 20 years, but I started in packaging design and didn't intend to be there kind of came across it when I was in college, I went to FIT and it was one of the programs for bachelor's degree. And they only accepted about 20 something students. And it was the only bachelor's program in the whole country for packaging design. And I'm a very competitive person. I was a swimmer my whole entire childhood. Yeah. Wanted to get in so bad and had to kind of fight my way in there and worked in packaging design in New York City for about 10 years. 
working on big brands, but I was always part of a team where I didn't get to work on projects that I wanted to. I didn't have necessary control or I would work on something that I thought came out so cool. And then next person would take it and it would evolve to something that was out of my control. And while I loved still being able to work on these big brands and go into the grocery store and see stuff that I've touched a little bit of. Yeah. I kind of always had this drive of being able to do it on my own, but I never went to business school. I just went to art school. There was a side of me that was like, okay, this is something I wanted to do, but I probably need a business partner because I'm just going to be the creative one. And as I've gotten older, and then I worked at a print shop where I was doing everything for a long time, and it kind of just segued into me being on my own. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of had to figure it out myself. So I always freelanced throughout my whole career. So when I was working in these different packaging firms, I always started on the side to get my side hustle freelance. And some of those clients are still with me now, 15 years later, as now in my business. Those are the few old ones that I won't let go of because they're kind of like family now. Yeah, for sure. Doing packaging, you have to be consistent. So there's a lot of like brand rollouts where you're doing multiples, for example, Kleenex, multiple tissue boxes in different shapes and sizes and or different beauty products. Gillette Razors was a big brand that I worked on. There's a gazillion SKUs for that. And so it helped to keep me on brand. And that's kind of how I came up with my name. And it, I still do a little bit of packaging, but I really fell in love with creating a brand from start to finish. So I taught myself web design. I figured out how to really strategize in branding first to be more successful in the design process. But it took me about two years into starting my business that I was like, this is not going to be sustainable if I continue the way that I am. And by that, I mean, I had no system set up. I was saying before I had no calendar, no booking, no sales strategy, no proposal strategy. I was like one-offing when people somehow contact me through word of mouth taking days to try to figure out, like tormenting myself. I don't know what to charge, you know? Yeah. And it took me a few years. And then finally I was like, I was working nonstop and didn't have much to show for it. And so started to network. This is after COVID. So I kind of started my business the year before COVID. And then it was kind of like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I invested in myself. I, I bought my first course. And it was a huge investment for me, but I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed something. And it wasn't necessarily the place for me. It was marketed for creatives and it really wasn't. But I learned a lot. And what it did do, which I don't regret, is it opened up the door for me to go and keep seeking out better help. And one-on-one coaches, the right masterminds, the right groups to network in. And that's what totally elevated and skyrocketed my business to where I have a team now. I figured out what I need help with from a team. And all of those things that I learned, which there were some coaches that didn't work out, they didn't understand my business. Yeah. It only got me so far. And then I just surpassed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. To move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. So what I decided to do is like, okay, now I've achieved this and I still have growth to do because I want to get to the next level, but I want to help other creatives get to the level that I'm at without investing as much time and money as I did. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. And so 
Uh, when you talk about these creatives and people you were, you know, trying to help kind of get to your level, and you talked about networking, finding coaches, finding the right people, mastermind groups, uh, what would you say are the people that anyone listening that's trying to get to that level need in their lives? What would be like the, the top three or five? You need to have a person for this. You need to have a person for that. So a VA just to handle any sort of admin tasks, organizing and automating your proposals, your pricing packages, your getting just like contracts set up. I never used to have contracts. Yeah. It's just somebody that can handle the the day-to-day like client intake of following up with clients, helping with that kind of stuff. I'm at the point too now where I've got design help. I always was passionate about art directing because I do love to do it myself and nothing goes out of my studio without me at least touching the file or tweaking something. But because I've done this so long and I know what needs to be done, I'm able to articulate and teach too at the same time, somebody on my team to help be my hands (laughs) so that I can take on more projects. And then for me, social media help. That's something that I don't know if it's a generation thing or just a me thing, but I love creating graphics for social media. I don't like sitting there posting and like, I'll come up with the concepts and the idea, but I just want somebody else to physically do it. So I have an internal social media help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good thing to recognize because I think one of the things that a lot of people realize is that, you know, any business you're doing, depending on what it is, you're going to have a lot of tasks. And then you're going to start to realize over time that, I notice like I really enjoy doing this task. I notice I really don't enjoy it. I kind of start dreading that task. And so maybe it's about like just finding out, okay, which are the ones that I'm dreading, which are the ones I'm not feeling and kind of doing what you can to outsource that particular part of the job. What about like coaches and masterminds? Is there a certain type of person that people need to find just for that kind of general type of support, whether it be like a coach you pay for or just a community of people who are on a similar or somewhat similar path that, you know, you can just kind of bounce ideas off of or share struggles with and say, oh yeah, I know when this happens, I've tried this, I've tried that. Yeah. So I have a few and honestly, that's been the game changer in my business because I am a female. I am involved in a lot of female networking groups and that has been the biggest support system because everybody wants to help you grow and push. And so And also showing up to local networking groups. So there's a ton of virtual ones that I'm involved in. And that's great because you can just show up on Zoom. But for example, though it can be exhausting, I have a a holiday party tonight for a networking group or local magazine, tomorrow night for a networking group, and then same thing. So, and last week was the same thing. I had three. And every week I've shown up to something, I've gotten a client off of it, whether it's somebody in the group that's new that needs help or they're referring me to somebody. So Getting involved in your local community is huge. They're going to be your biggest allies. It's a big movement of support local, no matter what type of industry you're in. And so being involved in Facebook groups where, again, I'm not on social media a lot, and I'm sure you'd be happy to hear that, but I don't check my phone But I do have this whole team of cheerleaders that are in my communities and multiple communities that are, if they're going to see somebody's looking for a brand design or logo design or website design, I'm going to have three, four, five people recommending me. And so because that many people are in my court, whether I've worked with them or they've already referred a client to me that I worked with, they're knowing me 
because I've gotten to know them over many different events. Yeah. They're going to recommend me. And then that person is going to pick me over anybody else because I've just been recommended by five women (laughs) in the community. (laughs) So that's been huge. And that's something I do talk about a little bit more in depth in my course is like how to put yourself out there and network and show up is really being visible. And so when you show up at events in your local community, do you need to be one on brand as an on whatever brand you show up as that part of that brand? And then do you need to show up consistently? Because I think um, many of us that have hit some of these circuits, we've all encountered like that person that shows up once and that's fine. It's great. But then when you start to run into the same person at say, oh, I ran to you a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, I remember meeting you back in startup week in September. All of a sudden now you start to kind of know that person without you know having to like put too terribly much effort into it for lack of a better say, because like, you know, like, oh, this person just happens to show up at these types of events that I always see them at. Yeah, consistency is huge. I mean, people will forget you if you don't. <laughs> yeah. But I say just show up as you. That goes back to the whole being authentic and building relationships. And sometimes I have friends within these groups and it takes a while to actually figure out what they actually do, (laughs) but I'm going to refer them because I know (laughs) what great of a person they are and they're going to refer me. So, but you're all like-minded, you all have a goal and you all have an understanding. And so the, yeah, absolutely. The more you show up, the more somebody gets to know you and they're going to refer you over somebody else hundred percent or use you over somebody else. And it can be exhausting, but it's definitely pays off. Yeah. And some of my closest friends now are females that I've met in these networking groups, because again, they understand the pains of being an entrepreneur. So I'm in a, an amazing one called the dames, which I know you've heard of. Yeah. Um, there's a virtual and we also have a local chapter here in Charleston. That group changed my life because they have multiple virtual check-ins and trainings throughout the week that you can come in and connect with people. But then once a month, we're doing something locally and these people have become some of my closest friends. We sit in a circle and we talk about, okay, what are your goals? What are any problems that you're having that we can help solve? And then what's a big ask? And that's the big thing that I'm actually working on that a lot of these groups try to push for is don't be scared to ask for what you need. You're never going to get it if you don't ask. (laughs) Yeah. Then that's a hard one for a lot of people too, because there's this idea in a lot of people's heads that if you were asking for stuff, you're either showing that you're not doing your job well, or you're being a burden on someone. Yeah. But vulnerability is super attractive for lack of a better way to explain it. (laughs) People want to know that you're real and having similar problems to them and help. People do want to help. I know I'm the first person to jump in line, but again, why I created a course, I just want to help. Again, why I do branding that helps start businesses every day is I want to help people. I forget to ask for help myself, Yeah, but I do. It's (laughs) life-changing. However many years back, you know, in the beginning of your life, even once when you're like a teenager and the only thing you're doing is like asking someone in your class out on a date, it's like, well, the answer is no, if you don't ask the question. And it's the same thing with asking for business help. If you never speak up, you're not going to get what you want, essentially. Yep, exactly. So work in progress. (laughs) And then so does the beginning of all this involve knowing yourself and knowing who you are, because it sounds like you have to show up authentically, but you also have to show up 
in the groups that make sense for you. And if you don't know who you are yet, or if you end up in the wrong setting, it could end up not working out quite as well. Oh yeah. You have to be clear on what you want. Yeah. You know, not maybe in the moment. I mean, I've been asked and put in the hot seat. What's your ask? And I, at the moment I'm like, Oh, oh shoot. And then something will just come to my mind and I'll ask for it. But it is absolutely, there's been networking groups that I'm hundred percent not a part of because of either the level of commitment that I can't offer. Yeah. There's ones that you like, you have to give referrals and you have to do this many, you have to create this quota and it just becomes like a, a second job. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen those too. Yeah. And I know that's not my place for some people. That's where they want to be. It's consistent for them. That works for them. For me, I want to be able to put into it what I get out of it. You know, and trying something out more than once, you could go to something and maybe feel like you don't belong. But if you try it again and you start to connect with people and and bring a friend too. I mean, that's always a good way to kind of break the ice when you're going to something is having that like kind of sidekick to help you and support you when you're can be scary to go into a room of new people. Oh, yeah. Also bringing people, if you are like a seasoned person that like myself, that is involved with a lot of networking and is at the point where I'm comfortable walking into a room where I don't know anybody. If there's somebody that you know, that's scared of doing that, invite them along with you. It's exactly what I'm actually doing tonight. It's bringing somebody new to this new group to, she's growing her business. I'm helping her like, let's get you out there and I'll be your security blanket for the evening. And then once you meet the next person, you're going to be feel more comfortable each time. But if you could try it a few times and you just feel like it's not your place, then don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's this balance, right? Because you don't want to go for so long in one event that's not working out for you that you're like not meeting your own needs. You're not taking care of yourself, but you also, as you said before, you don't want to give up after just one particular event because it could have been just an off day. And I even know of certain groups here in Denver where the attendance and the type of energy, the type of vibe you get at a certain group could vary quite a bit from week to week, month to month, whatever, just depending on who happened to show up, who happened to not, what happened to go on. Yeah. And just like how we met, I'm going to give a shout out to Becky Claybaugh. She's got a group that she meets, um, I think it's like every other month or every month the six figure focus group. And that's how we met. And I love showing up to that as much as I can because I love Becky. I love her and the people she brings in the community that she's built. And I am going to that hundred percent and you never know what's going to happen. We connected, I've connected with other people just by showing up, but it's Becky who's bringing me in. So that's another way to get involved with groups. I mean, the dames too, our local chapter president, she's one of my good friends and love her. And she's part of the reason why I'm in it, but also the woman, Megan, who runs the whole entire community, she treats everybody like they're your friend. And she personally takes her time to make sure I'm okay. And I'm where I need to be. And so having that person be a full community, not just a networking event that you're swapping business cards, but it's an actual community that you feel a part of and heard and seen is really important. Yeah. And I would love to give a shout out to anyone out there who is putting in their time and effort into creating community, bringing people together. Uh, We do live in an era where um, there's kind of record issues with loneliness and isolation. And um, I actually consider anyone that's taking the effort, anyone, anyone like Becky, to be kind of a a hero right now, to be a hundred percent honest, because there are so many people out there who are just craving community and craving exactly what you said, 
the thing that's not just about, okay, exchange business cards. Okay. How can, who can be my power partner, blah, 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 but actually does care about you as a whole individual asks, how are you doing? You know, how was your last week, your last month, however long it is. And you know, what are you struggling with? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the same industry. Although I do, I've connected with other designers that are at the similar level to me and we'll just schedule a call and just do like a, a branding brain dump, you know, complain, <laughs> vent, whatever. Yeah. And we could typically like help with great suggestions because we understand each other. But then I also have partners that we have never refer anybody to each other because there really hasn't been that opportunity. But we check in all the time and been like, this is what I'm going through. This is what you're going through. Like try to resolve it. Nothing to do with my industry and I have nothing to do with their industry, but we just from life experience can help each other out. Yeah, because there are life experiences that go like maybe the similarities are a bit deeper than that superficial level. Like, okay, maybe they haven't worked with the same tools as you. They haven't, you know, worked with the same exact person. But like the idea of, say, like the uncertainty, the idea of, you know, someone didn't pay their invoice and just ran off, all these things that are common to anyone that puts themselves out there and tries to build something meaningful to themselves on their own, as opposed to just uh, as I always refer to as living by the script, which is kind of just staying where you are, staying with what's safe and what's easy, even if it's not that inspiring. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next? You know, you said you just uh, launched this new course for on-brand design. What's your ultimate impact that you're having on humanity, I guess? Yeah. Well, so the course is called the Profitable Brand Designer, and that's just to help creatives become profitable and learn from what I've done. And and you can have it both. You can be creative and run a business. You know, that dream of me having a business partner, I don't need it because I figured it out myself. And it's super empowering to have that. And so I want other creatives to have that same feeling and that same level of success but my ultimate passion is serving in brand design and creating graphics and creatives for people that have the vision, but don't know how to put it out into life. Always helping businesses up level through their creatives and their branding. And I'm really focusing in 2024 more on the VIP experiences. So Having a team helps to be able to serve everybody at different levels. But for me personally, to be the most intentional with creating a brand, really focusing in on just a few clients of me personally, to really help with that super elevated experience and have a really intentional brand. And if anyone out there listening is hoping to get a hold of you or talk to you about whether it be your course or building a brand, uh, what would it be the best way for someone to reach you or or find you online? Yeah. So onbranddesigns.com is my website and I have a form to get you set up into my system, but then I have links all over the place for calendars to book on my calendar. And Instagram is a good place to reach me to send me a DM and I'm not on there a ton, but I'm on there at least daily. <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, a DM doesn't take that long. So it's at on brand designs, but where there's a space, there's an underscore. So at on underscore brand underscore designs. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes, telling us a bit about your story, how you got from that level where you 
kind of knew you wanted a little bit more personal touch on it and what that brought you in your business and how you learned how to do the business end of it, given that, you know, a lot of people are creative and not everyone necessarily has the knack for all the businessy stuff about it. Um, and also telling us a little bit about how we can think through our personal brands and live our personal brands and and get ourselves out there in the places we need to get to to make the connections that will help us get to where we want to be going. Yeah, exactly. I used to say I like to make things look pretty, but I can do so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully everyone out there is ready to do more. And I would like to thank everyone out there listening who is ready to do more for tuning into Actions Antidotes. Hope you're getting inspired and hope you're ready to bring your life to the next level.